Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So we've been we've been talking about this revival lifestyle, you know, and, and that that really is our heartbeat. It really is, and we've been obviously in consistent prayer. Uh, they were in consistent prayer for these things before we ever came, or really before I was ever a thought. Honestly, I was born in '78. This ministry was born in '72. You know, so I didn't even exist when these guys were dreaming and praying together for God to come and to move, and for a people to be naturally supernatural. That's what we would call it in our, in our sphere, in our tribe. Just, just naturally supernatural, bringing us back to this point where to be like Jesus in, in every way, John tells us, walk as Jesus walked, you know, that that would be normal Christianity again. You know? And so I don't mind beating that drum over and over again until we get to the point where we realize that healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and cleansing the lepers, and preaching the gospel to all of creation is just normal Christianity. It's not exceptional. It's not weird. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's, it's not mystical. It's just Jesus loving people. You know? And he's chosen us of all people to be able to represent that. You know what I'm saying? So I say all that because it's a burning passion in our hearts, but really the point was to say, and we've put a bow on that series, you're welcome, <laughs> and now we're entering into the Thanksgiving season. We've got a couple of weeks here, and Misty and I just want to talk to you about uh, gratefulness, you know? Because to be honest, like it's all, every, everything that you'll hear us talk about, all of our core values, all of them are inextricably linked. Like, you can't really have the power of God on display unless you've got the thankfulness of God operating in your hearts. You know, why? Because, because if you don't have the thankfulness, if you don't have the gratefulness of God on display in your hearts, then first of all, your eyes aren't fixed on Him, and that's our, <laughs> that's our command. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of your faith. You know, but otherwise, it moves you into entitlement. And we start thinking like, wait a second, you know, I, I, like if my daddy's the king, then I'm entitled to all of this stuff. I'm entitled to provision. I'm entitled to power. I'm entitled to the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, you're not entitled to anything except for a lifetime in hell. <laughs> Too direct. <laughs> but that's the truth of the scripture, isn't it? <laughs> it's by grace through faith. That's it. I bring nothing to the table. You know, I'm entitled to nothing at the table. He did it all. He releases it all. He brings me, it's all him. If you were with us in our prayer time this morning, uh, we always pray at 910 uh, for the service and just for the community, just for everything. There was a prevailing theme it felt like this morning as we were praying together. And that was this, like, I don't, like, like it's all, it's all the grace of God. Like, everything is the grace of God. Like, I don't come into the kingdom. How many of you know the Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing? Like, I, don't, I can't even come into the kingdom unless Holy Spirit gets involved and starts tweaking my brain. And it helps me to see truth for the first time and scales fall off my eyes. That's Him doing all of that. <laughs> you know, and, and we, can, we can get into this place where we, we buy into the lie. And uh, that's what it talks about really in Deuteronomy where we buy the lie, when we come to this place of fruitfulness and, and, uh, and, and prosperity, that it was us by the work of our own hands, we accomplished this stuff. And man, it's, it's the biggest lie perpetrated on a people. 
And it moves us out of gratefulness into entitlement. And when we live from a place of entitlement, we can literally accomplish nothing. In fact, it positions us just to sow strife and misery. I want to start this morning, I want to start by reading Psalms 100. It's, it's a beautiful psalm, and we, uh, we often reference it. And, and I want to lay, it, it's probably not going to sound like, like a grateful, Thanksgiving-esque kind of sermon, uh, largely because I want to lay some foundation for you this morning before we jump off the next couple of weeks you know, into the greater depths of that. So for those of you who have your Bible, Psalms 100. We're going to be dancing around in Psalms a little bit today. We'll start right at the top. It says, a psalm of thanksgiving says, shout joyfully to the Lord. First of all, can I just say that the charismatic church is the church of the Bible? Well, you can't, you can't, like, we need to, you know, we need to push down all of that emotionalism. You guys, you're just being emotional. You know, I'm actually just being biblical. (laughs) You know, and, and as you'll find out, we'll touch on it just a little bit today. Like, Jesus provided everything. While I was yet still a sinner, Jesus intervened over my life and literally paved the way for me to exist. He paved the way for me to be of any kind of usefulness whatsoever on this earth. Jesus did it all. Listen, I'm going to shout joyfully about that. How about you? Like, that's gonna, that's like, that should move me to a place of, of deep and passionate worship just like King David, such that we dance ourselves out of our clothes to the mockery of the world around us. You know what? I'm all right with them mocking me because I know what Jesus did for me. How about you? Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and we ourselves, we're just the people, we're, the, we're, just, the, we're just his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verse 5, for the Lord is good and his loving kindness is, is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. We predominantly look at this psalm as kind of the pathway into God's presence. And, and it's most certainly that. I'm not coming and saying, no, but look at this differently. No, that's, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. It is genuinely a pathway into his presence. And, and that hinges a lot on verse 4 right there. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. How many of you know this is an allusion to the Old Testament temple system? As I, was, as I was processing this, as I was praying this back to the Lord, I, I, I realized that, that many people probably would have no idea what this reference is. Like, enter into his courts. Like, what are, we, what are we even talking about? It's actually an allusion to the Old Testament temple system. I, I, I took the liberty of putting a couple of pictures on the slides for you. This is actually the Old Testament temple. Uh, flip, to the, uh, flip to the schematic drawing there for me, uh, and then we'll flip back. As you can kind of see, that there are various gates into this temple complex. You can kind of see that. Now, now flip back to the other one for me. You can see that there are different areas here. There's the court of the Gentiles, which is removed from this interior temple portion. You've got the court for women. How many of you know things haven't always been as free for women as they ought to be? 
Jesus did something about this, ladies. You know, we have the, the court for Israel. We have the court for the priests. Now we get into the inner court that's over there. My, my point is this. We, we enter into the complex through the gates. Like you can't even get into the complex. You can't even get into the zone without entering in through the gates. But once you enter in through the gates, you're actually still limited in what you have access to. Right? The, 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 the Gentiles, you can kind of see there on the backside, the Gentiles didn't have access to anything. Actually, this is why Jesus got so ticked off and started flipping tables. Right? It was the court of the Gentiles, this place where he said that my house should be a house of prayer for all, for all people, for all the nations. Right? It was the court of the Gentiles. They were actually prohibiting them from being able to come, if you will, close to the presence of God. But even said they were still relegated to this outer court. And, 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 of course, you can see the progression into the interior court where the priests were. The priests were the only ones who could come into that interior portion. You can flip to that, that second slide for me there just so we can kind of see it. So this is like the inside of it. You can get a, a, a better idea of it. The, the, the priests could come into this, the area of the priests, and priests were the only ones that were allowed to come in here to do the sacrifices. But then there was a whole nother level that might be difficult to see on the screens, but you can see there's actually a partition here that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. Okay, are we... Starting to get the, the, the picture here. So the only one who was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, which, by the way, was the place where the presence of God was. So in the interior of this fortress, surrounded by layers of process and layers of gateways and pathways, in the very center of this is the place where the presence of God was. And the presence of God could only be accessed by the high priest. So not just any priest, but the one selected national high priest for the nation of Israel. The high priest, in order to access the presence of God, had to go through a cleansing ritual where he cleansed himself, this whole big process, and then actually did an atonement for himself. An atonement is the sense in which, in this case, it would be a blood sacrifice, but it's the sense in which someone, uh, someone else pays the penalty for me. So we see the, the, the sense in which animals in the Old Testament sacrifice, they would temporarily, if you will, pay the price for me or do an atonement for me in order to release forgiveness for sins for another year, okay? But only the high priest had the ability to get into the Holy of Holies, which was separated off by the veil, this thick curtain, four to six inches thick, completely impenetrable, unbreakable veil that separated everyone else and only gave one man access one time per year. Now, here's the thing about that high priest's access. And this is the part that I really want us to hold on to as we proceed into some of these other thoughts. If he didn't cleanse himself properly, if he didn't do a proper atonement for his sins and for the sins of the nation, he died. If anybody else had just decided, I want to get a, I just want to do a little sneak peek of what's in there. You know, we know that the Ark of the Covenant was in there, this box in which the pre, you know, held the presence of God. We know that the Ark was in there. I just want to get a little peek of that. You would die. I, I want you to get the gravity of that because it's the picture of what sin does. 
It's, the, it's actually illustrating to us how grave it is for one to walk in sin and flippantly enter into the presence of God. I don't think there's any greater picture than a man falling dead because he didn't get himself all cleaned up just enough. I want us to hold on to that because I believe that in our culture we've tripped into this place of licensure. Is that say that right, Tom? Got to ask others. Don't know what I'm doing up here. We've slipped into this place where we believe that the grace of God on the New Testament, on this period that we're walking in, is in fact a license to sin. And and I just I feel from the God I feel from the I feel from the God. I feel from God in this hour that we're really entering into a place where it's time for a little bit of house cleaning. Amen. Listen, I think that there is a special grace on this season for you to get your house in order. There's a special grace on us recognizing the gravity of this thing. How many of you know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? How many of you know sin also is the same? And yet somehow as we've entered into this New Testament, we don't treat it the same. We just come flippantly into the presence of God. All warts and all. And listen, that's fine on one hand because he's so gracious, he's so compassionate. He's so kind to us. But my fear is that in our hour, we have actually allowed his gracious kindness to become a license for us just to flippantly enter in and out without any recourse, without any concern. It's fine. My God understands. Yeah, you know, he, he understands. But he is not permissive. He is not permissive. So the same gravity that exists in the Old Testament paradigm exists in the New Testament paradigm. Ananias and Sapphira found out pretty quick, didn't they? I don't know how many people I've talked to, and they will say something to me like, oh man, Jesus and I are tight. We've never been better. My relationship is great. And, and they're living a lifestyle that tells me otherwise. We've never been tighter. I remember one person who was trying to perpetrate that lie on me because they were trying to believe it themselves. Who sometime within a matter of, I think, think it was a couple of weeks after the conversation where they've never been better. My relationship with Jesus is amazing. Just two weeks later, they landed themselves in the I don't know what to call it. I want to say loony band. I don't want to offend anybody. Mental hospital. That's why I'm married. Helps me out. They landed themselves in the mental hospital because they gotten they were they were in a lifestyle of being addicted to drugs, and they were deeply depressed and anxious and fearful all the time. Listen, guys, like you and Jesus aren't tight if you're walking in a lifestyle of sin. Now listen, Jesus, he's so great, so kind to us. He might give you a minute to get your junk worked out. But you're not tight. Because <laughs> the Bible that I read says that, that if you love him, you will 
you'll obey him. If you love him, you'll obey him. Well, what if you don't love God? That's not going to end well for you. But he's tying obedience to his word, to our love for him. So Jesus and I aren't tight. If I'm over here on the side, outside the four walls of the church on Sunday mornings, living a lifestyle of sin, you're far from tight. I would go so far as to say, unless you're in this brief window of time where God's being amazingly gracious towards you, and unless you're in that window, I would go so far as to say, if that's you, you don't know him at all. And he doesn't know you. See, this is, this is way more serious than what I think we have given it credit. And it's created this place where we're like, it's fine. I don't have to work out my junk. Jesus understands. Don't mistake his patience and his long suffering over you for that licentiousness, for that, for that license, for that, like, oh yeah, he doesn't care. It's fine. No, he cares. In fact, guys, he cares so much that he gave his only begotten son to address the problem and to free you from your pit of sin and destruction and despair. That's how serious he is about it. He's so serious that he came in the form of man and died to sin for you. Hebrews 14 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He's just saying, let's stand firm in our faith. We know what we believe. We know it's truth. That's what he's saying there. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, God is not calling us into his presence to leave us the same way that he found us. He's calling us into his presence to find grace and mercy in our time of need. What does grace and mercy do? Mercy says, I'm going to allow you to come boldly into my presence because Jesus has already paid the price for you. You don't have to work it out. You can come into my presence as a son who's struggling, as a daughter who's struggling. My mercy covers you. But when you get to my mercy seat, my grace then, like wind under your wings, should undergird and strengthen you to go from my presence and to walk in a new way. Jesus also paid for that. This is not a license to go flippantly in and out of the presence of God just because he can sympathize with our weaknesses. It's a call to a place of righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Are we okay? I can't bring myself to bring a cheery, happy word. I just bring it as I see it. I'd ask you if that's all right, but 
This is my 14th year. <laughs> At some point, you're done. You just, it's just the rut you're in. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want somebody to challenge me. You know, I read an article by Chris Valentin the other day. He's like, hey, who in, who in your life, who do you have in your circle of influence who is actually pushing you to be a better Christian? Who's pushing you to step out of some stuff and into the presence of God? Like, who do you have? Well, if you got nobody else, you got me. Because <laughs> that's the way I see it. I, I see that as part of my role here. Is to push us out of complacency, to push us out of this place of lack of hunger, to push us out of the, the, the web of sins that so easily can entangle us, especially when we're adrift and we haven't anchored into the rock. To expose that and to show you that there's so much more with King Jesus. Look at this. This is scary stuff. Speaking to unbelievers. Excuse me. He's speaking to believers. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Sin is not something to be toyed with. It's serious. It's as serious as it ever was. Every Passover in the Old Testament, the Jews would come, they would, they would celebrate the, 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 the passing over of the death angel when they were in their exodus from Egypt. Go back and read the story in Genesis. I'm not going to uh, go too deep on that. Except to say one of the things that they would do in preparation for that Passover is that they would sweep out all of the dirt from their house. They would do a full top to bottom cleansing of that place. They would, they would get rid of what uh, the Bible calls leaven, which is anything that would have yeast in it. God help us. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to get rid of my carbs and yeast. I'm very happy. I don't have to do that. You know, but it was this, it was this house cleaning. It was this, it was this recognition, like a line in the sand moment to say, hey, it's, you, need to, you need to get reconciled with God. Like this is this moment where I want you to be cognizant of the fact that God can't, like what, what, does, what does light have to do with darkness? <laughs> Like cognizant of the fact that, that, that God is holy, that God is righteous, and he's calling you to be holy and righteous. And it's like it's spring cleaning time. It's time to sweep out your house. It's time to get rid of sin, as here represented by leaven. And I'm saying again, I, I said it in the beginning, I, I really believe that we're in a season where it's time to sweep out our houses. I know we're entering into winter, but it's spring cleaning time, and there's grace on it. If you've been entangled in stuff that you haven't been able to get out of, I'm telling you, there's grace on it. There's grace on you. You just, you actually have to take the step. Pastor Misty was talking this morning about having a line of sight with something on the shore so that when we were anchored to the rock, she could determine whether or not the boat was floating or drifting one way or the other. Folks, your line of sight, you're anchored to the rock and your line of sight is the Word of God. And it's only through the Word of God and the excavation of the truths, the, the going after of relationship with God therein in the text that you can see whether you're drifting or not. Whether you're truly anchored in the rock or not. So maybe some of the spring cleaning we need to do 
is, is just recommitting ourselves to going, you know what? I'm not going to wait for you to fire me up and get me hungry. I'm just going to do the things that I did at first. I'm just going to go back to my first love. I'm going to go back to the place where no matter whether I'm feeling it or not, no matter whether I want to or not, I'm going to wake up a little bit early and I'm going to open the pages of that Bible and I'm going to spend time asking the Holy Spirit to teach me from what he wrote. Maybe the spring cleaning you need is just to get back into a disciplined behavior, a pattern in your life. And listen, <laughs> I guarantee you, if you get back into a proper disciplined behavior before the Lord, like what Pastor Misty described on our uh, Wednesday series recently, where we're engaging God and inviting him into relationship, we're not just presenting our list. Hey, if for some of you, I think the spring cleaning is just getting back to the basics. It's just getting back to that place where you're making him a priority where you're saying no to the TV, no to some of those other distractions. And it's not necessarily bad stuff. How many of you know? Like it's, it's okay. There's not a lot of good stuff. But sometimes we have to let go of the good stuff in order to get the best stuff. And I can tell you right now, he's the best stuff. Okay? Here's the other thing I think this psalm does for us. I think it helps put everything in perspective. We read it, you know, shout joyfully, and you come into God's presence, and, and it's like, and Jesus, our high priest, he's done everything for us, and it's, it's amazing, but, but I don't think we can miss what is inherent on the inside of this psalm, which calls us out as big, fat nobodies. blessing and peace to you. <laughs> Look at this. Gracious. <laughs> we have to give that a minute. They're getting their hallelujah on. That's what... <laughs> Verse 3 in our Psalm 100. It says, know that the Lord himself is God. So we can go full stop right there. Because the implication is and you're not. Boy, that simple truth right there ought to get us to a place of dancing. Wait, you're, you're, you're God and I'm not? Right, yeah, because see, that was the point of salvation. You gave up being God. That was the point. You died. You don't get to be God anymore, right? So it's so like, you're God and I'm not. That means it's all your problem. <laughs> well, this is starting to get freeing around here. <laughs> oh, I don't have to, that means I don't have to worry about it, right? I, I just get to pray and believe. I don't, have to, I don't have to mix in with worry and anxiety and fear. I don't have to go into turmoil. I just have to go, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You're leading the show. You're God. You're the God who sees the beginning from the end. You miss nothing. You're the God who's for me. You're not against me. You see all this stuff. The Bible says he knows the prayer requests that we have. He knows our needs before we ever utter them off of our mouths. Oh, yeah, you're God. I'm not. And that's what it goes on to say. Listen to how it says it. It's he who has made us. Okay? So in other words, you've been, you've been, you're, like a, you're like a bowl that's been created by an artist. 
Are we okay? I mean, we think we're something. We're just created. He's the creator. And not we ourselves, but we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Wait a second. Like, I'm your possession. You own me. And not just me, but literally everything. It's all yours. So let me get this right. So you're God. I'm not. Uh, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Nothing I have is my own because actually I'm just a slave and you're the master. (laughs) Uh, That should take some pressure off your life should take some pressure off. You're God. I'm not. This stuff is all yours. You're a better steward than what I... These kids, they're yours. I didn't have... I don't know how to be a parent. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a mother. That's okay. He's the best father and mother there ever was. It kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. It doesn't take your responsibility off, but it takes the pressure off. See, all of a sudden, I don't have to figure it out anymore. See, this is the part of, this is what gets me about where we're at in, in, in our culture. You know, we're, we're at a place in our culture where we so live our lives at a place of mistrust, particularly of our leaders, right? We live at a place of mistrust such that we believe then when something has happened, that we've heard a rumor about something, that we need to be in the know on every little detail so that we can make a judgment of that situation, well, there, there are leaders working that out over there. Yeah, I don't trust leaders. I need to know all the details for myself so that I can render a judgment. Honestly, it goes right back to this. You're not God. We all right? It's not your problem. You don't need to know all the details. You just need to trust. You need to trust him. And it goes from everything, from leadership failures and issues to, you know, to the little aspects of, of, our, of our life. Like, like, what's next, Lord? Oh, do I go to college or do I become a plumber? I don't know. What are you saying? These things tear us up. Like, what is God's will for my life? His will for you is to reflect Jesus and to become more like him every day. And when you do that, you will stumble by accident into the rest of the stuff. That's it. Because he's God, you're not. Because he's got it all figured out, you're just his people. You're the people he created. You're the sheep of his pasture. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to whip you. I'm trying to free you this morning. Because when you're free like what this prescribes, we can actually enter in with a shout, yes, he's been so good. I get to look back over my history and instead of bemoaning the things that didn't happen just exactly like I thought they should happen, I get to see all of the amazing fruit of all of the history. Oh, wow, look where God intervened over this. It's like there was a season in my life where I had a parcel come in the mail. You've probably heard us talk about it before. We didn't have three nickels to rub together. Santa Claus sent us a little parcel with like to the penny what we needed to pay our bills that month. <laughs> we can look back over our history with God and go, man, it may not have turned out the way I thought it was supposed to, but glory to God. Like, look at what he did. Look at how he provided here. We can set up these memorials in our life because he's been faithful to you. He has been faithful to you. And we can get ourselves so duped by looking at something other than the author and finisher of our faith. 
We can get ourselves so duped because when we start looking at the world with our limited perspective, we can start feeling like, wait a second, this has fallen short here. That doesn't look like there's provision there. You know, and we forget this thing says, wait a second. No, he's God. You're his possession. He knows your need before you ever ask it. That's, that's freeing. You can shake off all the anxiety and the fear and the stress and the what ifs and where do I go? What do I say? And what do I do? You can shake it all off and know that as a son and daughter of God, he's got it. He's moving behind the scenes. He's working for you. He's God. You're not. And you don't want the job. I did. You had it. You had the job once. You didn't do a good job. How do I know? Because I had the job once. I did a terrible job. Terrible job. Pat probably knows better than anybody in here. Pat's a longtime friend from high school. Older than I am by a lot, though. Yeah. A little bit before in Psalms, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? that you should take thought of him. How many of you know God is immeasurable? He is, he's immeasurably good. He's better than you think. You got to get your eyes fixed on him and not the stuff. If you're fixed on the stuff, the devil's going to get in there and go, did God really say that? Did God really? His word says he's going to show up, but did he show up right there? You're going to start believing the enemy instead of the truth of the word. It's the truth of the word that gives us that line of sight perspective to know whether we're drifting to the left or to the right. Wherever the winds of waves of doctrine in the world are taking us. You are God and I am not. You are immeasurably good. I don't have to work it all out. Because God is actively working it out. I don't have to have all of the answers. Because God has all the answers. I like this the best. I don't have to be amazing. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? You're just like, gosh, I know I'm not amazing, but I feel like I've got to be amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> you don't have to be amazing if he's amazing because he lives on the inside of you. And he makes everything he touches amazing. Is this freeing or what? Just lay back against and breathe. Take it in. Let him take control. Release all those anxieties and fear again. Get your focus back in alignment with him. Step out of all the sin that's so easily entangled you. Half the reason why we get stuck in sin is because we've taken our eyes off of him and all onto our circumstances and all the stuff. Oh, I can't beat anything. I can't beat my circumstances. I can't beat an addiction. I can't beat those things. Good news. You're not all by yourself. So don't look to yourself. Look to him. We all right? Verse 5 in Psalm 100, it says it like this. It kind of gives us a wrap up. It says, For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Guys, the only question is this Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's that good? Do you believe the word? Some of you, I think, I think you need to, this is what happened to me in 2021. I think some of you need to go back as we enter this season of thankfulness. 
I think you need to start looking at the last few years and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where he was, what he was doing, and all of the good stuff along the way. Because I think some of you have gotten yourself bound up in this place where you just thought it was all bad. It was all bad. It's nothing been good. I've been waiting on these promises for 25 years, and God still hasn't shown up yet. And we've just worked ourselves into depression. And Jesus wants to pull you out of that pit of despair. He wants to show you that he's been actively engaged the whole time. He wants to show you that he's God. (laughs) You're not. That you're his people. That he owns you and the pasture. Everything. And that he's pretty good at his job. When you realize that God is excellent at his job, that this is his job, then that's when we can get to this place where we can declare this. Psalms 100 and verse 1, we can shout joyfully to the Lord. So, you know what? I, we, just, we, need to get, we need to get our shout on right now. <laughs> we shout joyfully to the Lord. We shout joyfully. When we know how good he is, we can shout joyfully to the Lord. Verse 2, we can serve the Lord with gladness. We can come before him with joyful singing. Verse 4, we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we can thank, we can give thanks to him. We can bless his name. Listen, I don't have to have it all figured out because he already does. And that should move us into thanksgiving. Amen? Father, this morning we ask that you would continue to give us your perspective. We ask that you would shift our minds. See, some of us, many of all of us perhaps, we have lived our lives and we've had the wrong perspective. We haven't seen you truthfully. We haven't seen where you've shown up and intervened. We haven't trusted you. Maybe we don't trust you right now with some things. And we're asking that you supernaturally would renew our minds right now in this moment, that you would renew our history with you, that you would show us our history differently. Show us how you see it, God. This morning, we take this opportunity to go back to our first love. We rededicate ourselves to you, Jesus. We rededicate ourselves. We commit ourselves to keeping our eyes fixed on you, to seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. We rededicate ourselves to the pure and the holy, to your narrow pathway. We don't want the things of the world. We see where the world goes. We see how it works out. And many of us were in the world at one point in time and we saw how it worked out for us. Jesus, we don't want the wheel. We don't want to be God of our lives. We don't want the job. We're terrible at it. But you, you're amazing at it. I'm asking for that grace right now to be released over our minds and our hearts that we could once again trust that you know what you're doing. You see the beginning from the end. You know us by name. We are of much greater value than the birds of the air. You know the number of hairs on our heads. You knew our names before our parents ever even had a thought about who we were and what we would become. You knew it all, God. You have destined us. You have purposed in your heart for us. You are not against us. Your plans, your future for us, it's of hope. We have a hope and a future. 
we release our control. And with it, our fears, our anxieties, our stress, our worries. We trust you, Jesus. We give it all to you. And I'm asking in this Thanksgiving season, God, that in its place, you would stir up and pour in joy. That you would replace all the anxiety and fear and worry with joy. Boy, because when we know that you've got our back, we know, when we know you're working, we can rejoice. We can shout joyfully to you. So we come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. You really are that good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.